0: Dust. Amen. Amen. They are right. So I want to preach a message today that's kind of tagging alongside a little bit uh, of honoring mothers, but also a message today that I just feel um, God has given me to really help us. I think sometimes it's easy How many many of you can say this? When you come to church, everything's great, right? Like you're here, you're doing great, but as soon as you leave, Lord, have mercy, right? Things have just changed. It's just changed. And you almost sometimes feel like you got to drag yourself into God's house just to try to build yourself back up. And I think God's been really speaking uh, to me about helping us become successful. In, during the week, helping us become successful in our walk. Some of you are starting your walk. You're at the very beginning of the journey. Some of you have been around a while and you know how it ebbs and flows. You know how you do good and you don't do so good and it comes in and out. And so today I want to preach a message. Very simple. The title is Get a Grip. Get a Grip. Now I know that phrase uh, it comes from uh, I don't know if you've heard that phrase before people use that phrase to kind of say get yourself together right get yourself together right get a grip you're losing your grip but this actually comes uh, from a passage of scripture found in the Old Testament of the Bible the book of Joshua Joshua 23 Now, let me tell you who Joshua was. One of the greatest stories in the Bible is the story of the children of Israel. These were God's people way back in the day. And you see this deliverance of God's people because they were in slavery. They were in bondage. God's people are not supposed to be in bondage. God's people are not supposed to be in slavery. God's people are not supposed to serve other gods. And so God had said, I'm going to deliver these people. But sometimes you can take people out of Egypt, right? But you can't take Egypt out of people. Sometimes you can take people out of the hood, amen? But every once in a while, that hood is going to show up. That country bumpkin is going to pop out. And so God had took some time, literally 40 years, Before the people could go into the promise that God had for them, God said, I'm going to you're going to inherit a billion dollar estate, multi-billion dollar estate. You are going to inhabit a land that I am going to get to really chase out all the people that were there. And through this transition, there was a man named Moses who was their leader. He was their leader for a long, long, long time. And right in the background, there was a guy named Joshua. And all Joshua did was he just supported the leader. He just supported Moses. He just said, I'm going to support him. But at some point, right before they were getting ready to cross over, right before they were going into the promised land, Moses dies. God says, Moses, you're not going to lead him to this next part. But Joshua You're going to lead them. And Joshua was a lot different than Moses. Joshua Moses was very pastoral. He was very patient. Joshua was a warrior. He was a trooper. And he didn't take no mess. And Joshua said, we're going to cross this land and we're going to do it God's way. And if anybody has a problem with it, come see me in the streets. I'll put these hands on you. That was Joshua. And so we're now catching up to the end of the book of Joshua, which is named after him. And we are seeing he's at the end now. Joshua is an old man. He's 110 years old now. And he's giving his final words, his final greetings. And he is letting them know this particular message. Here it is in Joshua 23, uh, verses 1. We'll look at verses 1 through 9. Bible says the years passed. And the Lord had given the people of Israel rest from all of their enemies. You know, sometimes your enemies will never go anywhere. Your enemies will always be there, but you don't have to always have to fight them. Sometimes when you follow God's instructions as hard as it is, you'll find rest. And so Joshua, who was now very old, gathered all the elders, leaders and judges and officials of Israel. He said to them, I am now a very old man. You have seen everything the Lord has done for you during my lifetime. The Lord, your God, has fought for you against your enemies. I have allotted to you as your homeland all the land of the nations yet unconquered. And as well as the land of those we have already conquered from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. This land will be yours for the Lord, your God himself. Sorry, the Lord your God will himself drive out all the people living there. You will take the possession of their land just as the Lord has promised you. So be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Let me pause there for a second. There were some things that Moses wrote more than 100 years before, more than 50, 60 years before that were instructions For not only where they were, how they were traveling, but where they were going. The book of instruction was their Bible. It was set up for them to be successful in the future. And so he says, do not deviate from it. Don't turn either to the right or to the left. Make sure you do not associate with the other people still remaining in the land. Do not even mention the names of their God, must less swear by them or serve them or worship them. Rather, cling tightly to the Lord as you have done so till now. I'm going to start just uh, for the Lord has driven out great and powerful nations for you. And no one has yet been able to defeat you. Joshua says to cling tightly to the Lord for your God, your God. As you have done until now, Joshua says, Get a grip on the Lord. Hold tight, keep it close together. Don't let your hand slip from them. Because the reason is, he was telling them that your mission still remains. Your job is to be the people of God's kingdom in the world. The place that they were inhabiting still had enemies. And God said, I'm not going to I'm going to drive out all of those enemies, but you've got to learn how to be who you're supposed to be in the presence of your enemies. You've got to learn how to stand and be God's people when other people are around you who don't love God, who don't want anything to do with them. Your job is to be who you are supposed to be. And you know what? As I was studying this passage and I was thinking about. Uh, this weekend, I was thinking, Joshua sounds a lot like my mama. Anybody grew up with someone who was mothering you or parenting you that didn't take any mess? Right? That cared about how you presented yourself in public? Anybody ever had that little speech before you walk into the store? Now, when we go into this store, y'all going to just say it for me. Don't ask me. Can y'all feel like for, don't touch anything when we walk it, when these people come over this house sit down don't ask for anything in other words my mom was saying when you're in public you need to act like you're my child because how you are in the streets or in the world is reflective of what I've taught you To be. And my mom, honestly, let me just tell you, she didn't take no mess. I I remember when I was 19, I had just uh, went to college for one year. I came back and I was kind of going back in the day. I didn't have that phrase. I'm doing a gap year. I wish I would have known that back then. But back then, I just I was going through some stuff in my family. I just I just wasn't ready to go back. And my mom just told me, listen, she said, you got two options. You can live here, but you got to go to school, or you can move out. It's really simple. Well, I needed to figure my life out. I needed to figure it out. So what I decided to do was to move out. I said, fine, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm going to move out. Now, before that transition, I needed some time. So I could get myself together, so I can get an apartment and all this kind of stuff. And she said, cool, I'll give you some time, but on this certain date, you're going to have to get up out of here. That's what she said. So I remember one time, um, I didn't have a car at the time. I think my car was broken, something like that. And where I lived with my parents, I had to walk and catch the bus. It was a long, long, long way to the bus stop. I mean, it was a trek. Uphill, downhill. I remember one time I was late. I I was—I don't—I probably was out doing something, and I was late. I was tired, and I got up and I said, "Mom, can I get a ride to work?" And she said, "Absolutely not." I was like, "Come on, Mom, you can't give me a ride to work." Like, no, you're getting ready to be on your own. You want to do your own thing. You get yourself to work. And I thought you got to be kidding me. I'm going to have to run full speed. To get to the bus stop on time so I'm not late. And she was like, you better get to running. (laughs) I, I pray the Lord's strength is with you. So I grab my stuff. I am literally, I'm running as hard as I can to get to the bus stop. Here's the coldest part about it. I'm running. I don't know if this was timed or not. I get to this one part where I finally get to the bus stop, right? And I'm just tired. I'm just sucking wind. Like my I'm profusely sweating, like I'm just done. Do you know that my mom came driving by? <laughs> in her car, looked at me and she waved. <laughs> Have a good day at work. I couldn't believe that. But you know what she was trying to do? She was trying to teach me something, wasn't she? She was trying to teach me independence. She was trying to teach me that if I plan to do something, I need to do it. I need it to be responsible. And there are some things, let me just teach you, put it to you this way, that God is trying to teach you through people, through other people that are in your life. You can't afford to let go. You just cannot afford to let go. You've got to get a grip. There are some things that God wants you to know that are important. There are lessons that you have to learn. And God is saying, look, when you get them, don't let go. Keep your grip on it. And it's interesting because Joshua This speech that he says at the end of his life, he has actually internalized some instructions that were given to him. And it has now informed him on how he instructs others. Now Joshua says something very similar to this, the chapter before. This is Joshua 22, another speech. Look what what Joshua says in Joshua 22. He says, but be very careful to obey all the commands and the instructions that Moses gave to you. Love the Lord your God. Walk in his ways and obey his commands. Hold firmly to him and serve him with all your heart and all your soul. I want to take you back to the beginning because at the beginning of Joshua's leadership, God says some very strong things. He says, Moses is dead. He says, Joshua Moses was a great leader, but guess what? Moses is not around. There are points in our life when either our own mothers or those who have parented us, that that season is dead. That time is over with. And God is saying, it's time for you to lead. And here's what God said to Joshua. This is Joshua chapter 1, and I'm just going to skip to verse 5 and kind of hear what God says uh, to you already on the screen. No one, he says, Joshua, I want you to know something. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. In other words, he's saying, I've got you. My hands are gripped tight on you. He says, but this is what you got to do. Be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. I will give them. Be strong and very courageous. Telling them, look, you got to be strong. You got to be courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either from the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. He says you're never going to graduate from this degree you are going to be a constant student you are never going to be done continually study this book of instruction he says meditate on it day and night you got to be a believer in the daytime and in the nighttime right you got to be a member of new movement at new movement and at jokers come on somebody need to say amen Day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed all that you do. See, Joshua's got to figure it out. He understands. He's internalized this message. He said, you know what? This thing made so much sense to me. And now I need to make this a part of my leadership. I cannot afford to let go. There's another mentor-mentee relationship in the Bible that's found uh, between these two men called Paul and Timothy. Paul was a church leader and Timothy was a church planner. He was really young. Like he was like probably 17, 18 young. And look look in uh, 2 Timothy verses 4, 2 through 3, what Paul tells him. He tells him the same, almost the same thing. He says, preach the word of God. He said, don't, don't tell them your words. Preach the word of God. Be prepared. Some of you parents need to write this down. Be prepared. Whether it is t- the time is favorable or not. Whether people are coming to church or whether they're not. where people are interested or they're not. Whether it's sunny outside or it's not. You just got to be prepared. You just got to be ready to lead. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming... When people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. says time's going to come, people aren't interested in that. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to really, really hear what the Bible says. They will follow their own desires, right? I'm going to follow my own inner truth. I'm going to do what's good for me, how I see it. And I will look. they will look for teachers who will tell them, Whatever their itching ears want to hear. Say, time is coming. Nobody's interested in that. Nobody wants sound doctrine. Here's what's interesting about it see, the Word of God is offensive. I knew I wasn't going to get an amen on that. That's okay. I, I want you to understand why I'm saying that. Because God's instructions are to help you live the life that God has ordained for you. And if you are not following what God's instructions are, you're kind of following your own instructions. Like that's like you putting the IKEA thing together and it doesn't work. It doesn't fit. Things don't match up. And so when you go back to the book of instructions, when you go back to the truth, you should be offended. You should not be living an ungodly life and read the scriptures and be like, oh, I'm good. No, the the Bible should make you feel rebuked. You should feel like you need correction. And what he says is, if you go back to the verse before that, you, you get rebuked, you get corrected, and then guess what? You get encouraged. Like, what would it be like if your mom never, ever rebuked you? Never ever told you you're doing the wrong thing. Never told you, oh, it's fine. It's okay. This pan is really hot, but you can touch it. They've got prosthetic hands. They can give you another one. That's a good lesson you learn. Burn all your fingernail, uh, fingernails and fingertips off. You'll probably never do that again. We don't expect people in our lives to do that, but the word is offensive. It tells you here's the problem people stop when they're offended. Like, I see it sometimes when I'm preaching, and I know I've offended somebody, and they stop listening. I can see it up here. I, they just find anything to do, looking around, counting their fingers, looking at their phone. Look, Like, yeah, you're offended, and here's the thing. You probably should be. Like, you, chances are you did something wrong. Chances are something's wrong in your life. I'm I'm trying to get you catch up chances are you're not perfect good news nobody is that's why we come to church that's why we need God because we've got problems we've got issues some of us are crazy we're loco let's just be honest there's something wrong with us very internally And so God is like, I'm not giving up on you. In fact, we need a church for people who feel given up on. This is the place for you to come and to be offended, but not stay offended, but to be encouraged, because that means somebody's making an investment in you. Somebody wants something better for you. Someone cares enough for you. The Bible says he that he loves, he disciplines Love comes with discipline and change. And so sometimes we get offended. We don't want to be offended. That's why I think moms always have the upper hand. You cannot, you cannot have the upper hand on your mom. Here's why. Because at a certain point of your life, your mom did your laundry. No, I just I'm okay. How much time do I have? Because this. Like <laughs> She did your laundry. I'm talking about, like, through those years where you had to, like, throw some underwear away. Like, um, (laughs) okay. Like, she washed your sheets. Like, your mom did that. kind. Okay, let me just move on. Okay. Um, your, Your mom, like most moms, maybe not everybody's mom, but some people, somebody in your life, they were there when you got hurt. Like when you were, I'm talking about when you were like snotty nose crying, you know, over stuff like you had a little hair, you know, eyelash in your eye. You were screaming in the bathroom, right? Somebody come save me. You're right. Was screaming bloody murder because you've got a little eyelash in your eye. Like your mom knows all of that stuff. She knows all the breakups. She knows all the disappointments. She knows all the strikeouts. She knows all the missed free throws. She knows all that stuff. So you'll never have an upper hand on her. I wish you would try to raise something up like, well, when I was there, you like, no, I did your laundry, okay? I cleaned your bathroom. You know the toilet is right here, right? It's not here or over here on the floor. It's right there. It's right in front of you. Like that's, <laughs> that's what your mom has the power to know. And so you, there's the thing, offense, do you think, okay, who's me read it like I said it, <laughs> offensive or not, Your mom called you and confronted sinful actions so that you could change. Whether you were offended or not, it doesn't matter. Whether your grandmother, you shouldn't be with that girl. Whether she said that or not, who cares if you're offended? Because she knows I need you to change your ways and I need you to respond to that. And that's the same way God is. God is like, listen, you might be offended. But I'd rather you be offended by someone who loves you. I'd rather you be offended now because it's important to me how you live in the city and in the world. And so I want to break down three things that Joshua says, and I'm going to let you go real quick that we can learn. I'm going to take this practical. Let's take this home with us. I found three things in here that I thought might be interesting. Let's go back to Joshua 23. Joshua 23, and I think I'll just read off the screen. Here's what he says to those people. So I want you to get a grip. He says, so be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instructions. Can I say it this way? It's very simple. Here's the first thing we need to do. We need to be practical about this. We need to, really simple, be careful. Be careful. What am I talking about? Not being careless with the truth. Being careful with the truth. He tells them, I want you to be careful to handle what God has told you. It's a problem when you're not reading instructions. It's a problem when you're trying to do this marriage and you're not looking at the instructions. It's a problem when you're trying to parent. And you have nothing grounded in anything that's going to make you successful. It's hard for you to be single. It's hard for you to be a student. It's hard for you to be the entrepreneur without the principles that I'm giving you to be successful. He told them your success is dependent on how close you follow the instructions. Because I'm the one giving you the land. And I'd rather have what God can give me than what I can give myself. And I'm just wise enough to know if God's going to give me this church or give me this woman or give me these children or give me this opportunity, it's probably a good idea for me to follow the instructions that he has for me. And so here's my question. How much time are you spending in your Bible? How much time? Like, I know I, I there, there's a lot of books in the Bible. There's only 66. And face is not a book of the Bible. Now, I'm with you. I'm with you. I can get a little Facebook crazy. I get it. But how much time are we really spending in our Bibles? I know there's things you like, I don't even understand what it means. I don't even know what it says. That's okay. Just read. Just spend more time. You start small, you get bigger. You start small. You keep on going. God says, look, just read my instructions first because here's the truth. Somebody's going to give you some instructions. Somebody's going to tell you to go this way. In fact, the Bible says there's a way that we think is right, but it always leads to destructions. So I remember one time I came home. I was in high school, 15, and I went to, uh, I forgot what the store was called. It might have been Spencer's or something. I bought some magnetic earrings and I came home with the magnetic earrings, you know, they were hurting too, but I came home with these big iced out and my mom thought I got my ear pierced without telling her. And all she did was walk in the door, looked and saw my earrings. I I don't even know if I ever saw them again. She slapped me so fast. I, I don't even know how she slapped them off. I just had one. Before I realized what had happened. And she was like, she didn't even say no. I just knew I couldn't wear them again. I just knew I wasted my money. And you know what? Do, do you think my mom cared? Like she, she, I mean, she cared about me. But do you think she cared about me being upset that she was mad at me? No, because she's trying to save my life. Right. She's trying to direct me somewhere. She's trying to get me on the right path. And for her, the earrings was not we're not doing the playboy stuff. We're not doing any of that. You keep that. I I mean, after I told them they were back, it, it didn't even matter. Like to her, I did it to her. My ears were pierced and she wasn't having any of that. Just be careful. Don't mishandle the things God has already taught you. Right. Like it's already there. And guys, just, just don't, don't mishandle it. Don't be careless. Here's the second one. Same verse, Joshua 23, uh, verse 6. Or back, Go back to verse 6. He says, don't deviate from it, turning either to the left or to the right. Let me just confess something to you. I have a little problem I've had ever since I've had a GPS. For some reason, I don't know what's wrong with me, I'm always trying to beat the GPS. Like, it always says you're going to be there at 12.05. I'm always trying to beat it. I don't know why that is. I just feel like I can beat it. I just feel like there's another way, and I can beat it. I always try to do that. And what makes me so mad is that they're always right. And, like, I'll, I'll get, put the instructions I'm like, no way. It ain't going to take me no 20 minutes. And I, I can run late sometimes, you know, every once in a while. And I'm like, no way. It's, <laughs> that's a joke. Um, I No way it's going to take me 20 minutes to get there. I can get there in 15 minutes and every time. Every single time they are right, and it makes me so frustrated. But the thing is, the GPS has tools that I don't have, right? It has a perspective that I don't have. And here's the second thing I want to tell you: just be consistent. God's like, look, stop deviating to the left or to the right. Here's the plan, here's the directions. Just follow them. Stop trying to come a different way. Stop trying to, I'm just going to do this, or I'm just going to see what I can get away to Stop trying to change stuff. Here's an offensive moment. Your way doesn't work. It doesn't work. How you talk to people doesn't work. How you solve problems doesn't work. How you deal with disappointment, it doesn't work. How you deal with depression doesn't work. How you relieve your stress it doesn't work. God's like, just follow the instructions. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Here's the thing. Like sometimes we stop because it gets hard. Like this instruction is actually kind of hard. What do you mean? Save myself before marriage. You mean, what do you mean? I can't be with nobody. Yeah, that's hard, but it's going to make sense later. If you don't turn to the left and you don't turn to the right, Just keep it pushing and keep going forward. It's going to make sense later. And God's like, just be consistent. Here's the thing. Most studies say average church attendance, this is average in America, across all churches, is once a month. It's once a month. So some of you are doing great. Come on, give yourself a a high five. No judgment at all. Once a month. That's the average. Doing great. But you know what? There's something about being above average. There's something about being consistent. There's something about carve. God's not asking you to be perfect. He's just asking you to be consistent. Just keep it up. In the morning, read. Five minutes, that's all I got. I'm going to do it every single morning. God's like, cool, I can work with that. But this up and down. This, I'm doing great. I'm doing bad. I'm over here. I'm getting my PhD I'm over here. I'm starting to be like just be consistent. Stick to the plan one step at a time. Don't go to the right or to the left. I was going to say be committed, but you know what? You can be committed and not be consistent. It's so interesting how many, how many times you see people in your life and you're like, who's showing up right now? Like, cause mother's day, you're killing it. Right? Anniversary. You're the man. But every other day of the year, like, what happened? Like, what, where's my date? Where's my card? You hear my wife saying, mm, I'm confessing. Where, where's my card? Where's, where's all of that? Like, just be consistent. Just show up. Just stick to the plan. Don't worry about getting offended. Yeah, this sucks. It's terrible. Move on and keep being consistent. Because there are some people that are great not because they just inherited a talent, but because they were consistent. Here's the last one. I know I'm running just a little bit over, but here's the last one. Here's the last one. I'm gonna finish up. Verse twenty or verse seven of Joshua twenty-three says, make sure you do not associate with the other people still remaining in the land. He gets very specific here. When You go to the new land, here's what I want you to do. Don't even mention the names of their gods, much less swear by them or serve them. Or worship them. Here's the last one. You got to be clear. You got to be clear who you are and where you're going and who you're standing for. God is like, look, not everybody can kick it with you. And you can't kick it with everybody else. Don't assume that you are fail proof. He says, don't even mention their name. Don't even speak of their gods. Don't. You know what you got to do? It's called, in a family, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to bond, right? Especially like with your mom. If you you had a mom that you bonded with or a mother figure that you bonded with, there was something about a time in your life that they were bonding with you. What that meant is they were sticky. They were sticky. And you stuck to them and they were velcro and as as you get older that bond is supposed to remain there's supposed to be that in the family father you're supposed to be bonding with your kids kids you're supposed to be bonding with everyone your brothers and sisters you're supposed to be sticky right that, that when, when something happens you're not shaking and breaking loose from the family and there are other people in your life you need to be real slick like they need to they can get right up on you and slide right off, off of you cuz uh, uh, you don't stick to me like you just you too oily you got to be oily right you got to go to work oily that's the oil of the anointing like nah ain't none of this negativity sticking on me i'm sliding in and i'm sliding out don't touch nope and God's like look you got to be clear about that you you can't let yourself stick with the wrong people what happened we ain't friends no more no we can't kick it no more. No, because I've got different plans. And the last time I checked my plans, yeah, you're not in them. I don't see you and I don't see you in the future. I'm sorry. I don't I don't see this relationship getting me here. I don't see like how <laughs> Netflix is cheap, right? But it cost us a lot. $10 a month and then what they get in exchange 30 hours of your life 30 hours a week cause you watch 4 or 5 movies it's only $10 a month whatever it is no Netflix has got it's not an equal exchange that should be slippery what happened if I spent 3 hours with you what happened if I spent 3 hours on my dream what happened if I spent 3 hours here at the church pulling weeds what would happen if I spent 3 hours with my mom Netflix ain't getting me nowhere. So he says, verse 8, you gotta cling tight. You gotta cling tight. I saw this video, Trip Me Out. You can go ahead and play it. Maybe you saw this on Facebook or online somewhere. This guy was going on a hang gliding trip. And um, he's, the the instructor who he's with, um, he doesn't he realizes that he's not attached let's see if it's going to work hopefully it'll work Uh, if it doesn't I'll just have to describe it for you but the video shows it they take off jumping off and he does not strap in so it's an instructor and a person with him and he doesn't strap him in he realizes he's not strapped into this thing and right away you can see hopefully you'll see it that he is gripping for his life on the instructor, literally one handed is all he's got and here's the challenge because the instructor, they're so far in the air the instructor has to still steer because he can't not steer so he's only got one arm at his best to try to grab onto him and so they are fighting and I mean they're jumping off a cliff and he knows I've got to land this thing and the guy is hanging on for dear life I, I might have to just put put it up on the uh, repost it on our, our social media page but it was so scary and I was watching it because I don't like heights especially heights that I can I'd rather have heights that if I fall that's the end of it right I'm gonna go see Jesus I don't like heights I can fall from and still recover and and this guy here was <laughs> this guy here was fighting he was fighting and when I was watching it what what struck me was not only was he trying to get a grip on the instructor but the instructor was holding on to him and I realized in that moment that the instructor was holding on but the the person that was attached needed to hold on as well and I was grateful for that we have a God who holds on to us who has such a tight grip on us that won't let us go but there are moments in our lives where we got to decide I'm going to hold on to God no matter what even though my grip is slipping even though there are things that are pulling me down even though this situation might end in crisis I'm going to hold on to him so here we go look what happens they jump off right there he realizes he's not hooked in and so the instructor, it's only just a, a few minutes long. The instructor is trying to figure it out. This is out in Norway. Look how high they are up. And he's holding on. He's looking. He's trying to grip it. He's trying to pull him up. But he's try, see, he's got to catch it because they're going to fall. He's got one hand on it. He's got another hand on the instructor. And he's fighting. He's holding the strap. He's trying to reach town. He's trying to grab his belt. Look how high they are. They're just soaring in the air. He's holding on as hard as he can. He, the, the commentator on this says he knows he's got to land it. He's trying to land the plane. And then he's, I think a few minutes in, he's trying to get his leg. So look how high they are. And he's He's fighting anybody ever felt like that just fighting to survive fighting to hold on he's looking for something to grab he can't find anything and all the time the instructor's looking for a place to land he's trying to hold on to him oh in the world is that oh somebody's trying to act like this is their their video The other one was too long, so I grabbed this two-minute one. I think you can advance it just a little bit. It's getting a little closer. Oh, gosh. Everybody's trying to make a profit. Do not subscribe to True Stranger. Just subscribe to our channel. How long has this been? Like Like, how long can you hold on? You know what I'm saying? Like, how long can you really hold this? And you're in the air, and you're heavy. He's down to one hand. Look at that. How many of y'all are panicking right now? This is a good sermon. We need to get the baptismal pool ready right now. Somebody run some water. Somebody. Some- <laughs> no, we, don't, we don't do baptisms like that here. They're getting close. He's trying to land it. Look, he's pretty high up, isn't he? He's coming. He's coming closer. He's holding on. I love it. I love what happens. He gets close enough. He tells him, let go. They slow it down. Okay, this guy's just being dramatic. Look at that. At this point, this is really, look, lets him go. Wow. And he survives. Come on, praise the Lord. He survived. That's your blessing. I know I've run over, but we got cake, so that's good. You give me an extra five minutes, ten minutes for cake. I just wanted to encourage you to get a grip. And I want you to know that it's not just you holding on to God, but God is holding on to you. And so I want to pray for someone today. I just want to pray for someone today to know that God is wants you to grab onto him and he wants to grab onto you so if you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me there might be someone today who needs to make a next step whatever that next step is that you just need someone to pray for you you just say pastor I need your help I need your help to keep going I I need your help not to let go so father I pray today uh, for the people in this room and I would ask them as if they'd be so bold And knowing that, God, I need to get a grip on you. If they would be brave enough while our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed to raise their hand and let you know. Praise God he sees those hands. Father, I pray right now for the hands that are risen. The hands that are still going up. Lord, give them the strength to know that you are with them and you'll never leave them. Lord, we ask that you forgive us for trying to do things our way. We lay our sins down at the altar today. We confess our wickedness and our rebellion and I pray right now that you would forgive us as you promised to and give us new life that me might stand for you in the land of the living and I pray today that success will come to everyone who have submitted themselves to you thank you Lord for this moment for this time and we're going to celebrate the new lives that have been transformed and the next steps that they're going to take we pray this in Jesus name amen come on church let's celebrate let celebrate somebody got their hope back, somebody got a grip, and somebody got their life together. God bless you. I want you to know if you made that decision today.